All right, we're back here on KMBR today. Kerry Crowley hanging with you from 12 to 4. It's my pleasure to bring in our first guest of the day. It's been a long time since we've had one of these chats on the air, and I dearly, dearly miss them. Marty Lurie, <laughs> the great from Talking Baseball. Marty, how are you today? I'm doing great. Really nice to talk to you, Kerry. And look, it's a Thanksgiving weekend, and you know, these years go by and uh, we remember everything we're thankful for and it becomes more relevant uh, as time goes on. And I can't be more thankful for the years uh, I've had and I look forward to next year on KMBR and all the years in baseball and all the people I've worked with. And, uh, you know, there's just so many. Uh, it's a very thankful time for mm -hmm. me and I think for everybody in the world as uh, the world is just crazy as can be. And we have to be thankful for the good things we have. You know, it's funny. We we go from talking, obviously, twice a week on Saturdays and Sundays and talking baseball. And then we usually call each other once or twice. And then after the season each year, it's like a month where we just decompress <laughs> and take our time off. And then around November, we start to call each other again. And then December and January, and it picks up. And it feels like it's that way for, for Major League Baseball executives, too. After the World Series, you take some time off. And then you start to check in on the free agents. And you start to check in on your rosters. And things start to happen at this time of year. Well, you have to take some time off. Uh, as I like to tell people, I was in my fifth week of doing nothing, uh, which, <laughs> which is important to do. Uh, you know, look, it kicks in the middle of January. I'll be talking to River Islands and things like that and uh, Original Joes and all the people that I work with in Nations and, uh, you know, all the Georgie brothers and everyone else. So um, all that's going to happen in January. So, and then it goes right up, Karen. Let's face it, in the World Series years, it goes right to November. So it's a long haul. So it's important to, to recharge. And for the players, too. They'll take a few weeks off. They'll travel. Uh, I saw Brandon Crawford at one of the fall league games. He threw out a first pitch there. Uh, so, you know, it's just a nice time of year. But things will start picking up now, usually at Thanksgiving. And a couple of weeks after that, the free agent market will start picking up because players don't want to get stuck sort of the last two weeks of December because baseball kind of shuts down over those two weeks. And uh, you don't want to have to be negotiating over that period of time. And then all of a sudden it's January and it comes very quickly. And then all of a sudden we're thinking about spring training and then the pressure's on. So I think over these next few weeks, uh, this next week, right through the winter meetings, through the winter meetings, we're going to see a lot of action. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And you mentioned it's this week and then it's winter meetings where everyone will meet in San Diego and uh, get these things rolling. And Farhan and Scott, uh, before Scott left for Detroit, they were very active at the winter meetings, particularly in recruitment of pitchers and signing different players. And so it's a big time for the Giants. It's funny, you mentioned River Islands, Marty. And of course, thanks to your show, they've had the monopoly on, on great communities in Northern California that are just outside of the San Francisco Bay Area kind of footprint. And I, I think that River Islands has got to be the only people concerned if Aaron Judge signs with San Francisco because the contract with Judge might be able to rebuild downtown Linden and create some competition <laughs> there. <laughs> really? That's a good, good point. Uh, you know, it's funny about uh, Linden. You know, I, I don't know how important it is to Aaron Judge, but look, he spent the last, what, seven or eight years in New York City, mm -hmm. and he's the toast of the town. And I think if, let's say, it's Saturday night and he wants to go out for uh, – to for a show or for dinner he's gonna say let's go to a movie in linden <laughs> or let's go to broadway and see a hit show 
so I think we overplay the Linden business, to tell you the truth. And he's home now uh, for Thanksgiving, and he couldn't be happier. He's in a great position, a great position, because he had a tremendous season, and the New York Yankees want him. And when the New York Yankees want someone and they're willing to say, we're going to outbid anybody, he's in a great position. And, of course, he'll work the Giants, and maybe he wants to come to the Giants. Maybe he'd like to, you know, change leagues and, and take a shot at being in Northern California. Who knows? But the Giants are his best friends right now because the more he talks to the Giants, the more nervous the Yankees get. Mm-hmm. And here we go again. We've seen it with Bryce Harper. We've seen it with different players, uh, with the Giants kicking the tires, so to speak. But unless they're willing to outbid the Yankees, this is a tough sell for the Giants. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And, and with that in mind, thinking about how they can improve this roster, 81 and 81, obviously a huge disappointment coming off the 107-win season and knowing that the Dodgers will be right back and the Padres have grand visions of competing in the future with Juan Soto in that lineup. If you're putting together your off-season acquisition priority list, what's at the top of it for the Giants right now, Marty? Well, I think it's a, a middle-of-the-order hitter. Uh, losing Posey last year, just in that three spot, boy, every time they flipped the lineup, and here you went and got a guy on or two, and then you got to that number three hitter, and who was it? It was, uh, you know, Wilma Flores or someone like that. And you just can't compete with the big boys with a lineup that doesn't have some meat in the middle of it. So I think, for me, it's the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. And, of course, look, if you had Aaron Judge, and I'm just going to assume they don't have him, and what's the fallback? Because you just can't wait till the middle of January for if it goes that long for Aaron Judge, if the market really plays out for him. You have to get some people. And I think the shortstop places where I would start, and I would go for Correa. Mm-hmm. I just think uh, the Phillies are probably going to get Trey Turner. Uh, the Braves are going to end up with Swanson. Uh, the Dodgers probably probably will stand pat on, on the shortstop. They may get Bogarts. Uh, Boston needs Bogarts big time. They can't lose him. Uh, we'll see what the Dodgers want to do, but I think Correa is the guy for the Giants. Uh, I just think he's a solid clubhouse guy. Uh, I met him when he first came up with the Astros, and he was part of the Cepeda family, and uh, they influenced him a tremendous amount in the early part of his career, the right way to play baseball. Uh, He's the captain of the infield, and if you look at the relays, he takes them, and he, he commands that infield and what's going on in the outfield. So Correa, for me, decent hitter. Look, he's going to cost $250 million, but that's the price of playing baseball today. It's yep. a billion-dollar industry. But for me, I think he's the most reasonable for the Giants. I don't think Trey Turner is going to be here. I think he's going to go back to the East Coast, as I said. So for me, I would say priority number one would be signing Carlos Correa, no matter what. 
No, I completely agree. And the other advantage of signing Correa, you know, Farhan Zaidi has this history. He doesn't want to give out long-term contracts to aging free agents. Carlos Correa is the youngest of the shortstops on the market. So if you're going to give your money to one of these guys and bet on him to be in his prime and healthy toward the end of that long, big contract, and whether it's $250, $300 million, Correa could be the most solid bet in terms of all the free agents right now. So I like that idea. In terms of pitching, do you need to replace Carlos Rodon with someone else? Do you look at bringing back Carlos Rodon? Do they go with a DeGrom, a Verlander? How did the Giants navigate these rotation questions, Marty? Well, they need someone big time uh, because, you know, Logan Webb was great and he was, you know, maybe what sixth or seventh in the Cy Young, whatever it was. And, you know, he's terrific, but he's not an ace ace and they need someone like that if they could get him. And who's out there? Well, DeGrom is probably going to leave the Mets. Texas is crazy for a pitcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got Bruce Bochy down there now. Uh, It's very important for them. All they have is Martin Perez, and they just traded for Jake Odorizzi. Come on, are you kidding? And they've got, (laughs) you know, Simeon and, uh, you know, Seager, and they still got those guys. So they need a pitcher. So I I see DeGrom very much in the future of Texas. And Verlander, DeGrom, uh, Rodon. Rodon looks like a Yankee to me. Uh, The Yankees are desperate for a pitcher. Uh, Tyon could be a giant. I could see that happening. Uh, Verlander could stay with Houston. And all the, the thing to remember now is the average annual value contract. Um, you know, they want to get three years of the Scherzer money. And you could have Verlander go to Houston for that kind of money. You could have Verlander go to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Look, he wants to win 300 games. He's got, what, about 250 right now. He's 39. <clears throat> the Dodgers are always going to be competitive. He could end up there. DeGrom can end up with the Dodgers. Uh, the Mets probably have said goodbye to DeGrom, I think. Uh, Taiwan Walker. He could come here. Bassett could probably come here. Um, you can find pitchers like that. But I don't think the Giants are going to get the big ticket, DeGrom, Verlander, or Rodon. Rodon is, boy, he cashed in. Yeah, He's he did. get five years, 100, $140 million, you know, something ridiculous. Um, but that's what he's going to get. But they need a pitcher. They need a pitcher. And the big boys – are going to the teams that are very, very aggressive. Then you fall back to uh, Senga from Japan that people mm-hmm. like. The Red Sox like him. They always have, have taken Japanese players. Uh, Wade Miley, I was reading about him. Uh, yeah, he's a perfect kind of guy for the Giants. Uh, he may be good for the Dodgers now that they don't have Tyler Anderson, who went to the Angels. So there's a lot of maneuvering. This is fascinating to me, what's going to go on. Because the pitching market is top-heavy with older pitchers, except for Rodon, who's got a little bit of a, an injury history. So to see where the big boys end up will be interesting, but I don't think it's going to have a bearing on Tyon and the ones that I mentioned. And I think the Giants could be in the market for someone like that. I'd love to see him get an ace, yeah. but I don't know if there's an ace out there for them. Well, the names you mentioned, the ones that intrigue me, if they're not going to get a DeGrom or a Verlander or Rodon, Chris Bassett and then Senga from Japan. I think those two pitchers. 
Yeah, Yavaldi too. I mean, I, I think that they could uh, get some potential out of him as well. And so it'll be interesting because Farhan thinks about pitching in a different way and doesn't like to give out these long-term deals to pitchers. I think the Di Sclafani deal was even a mistake, and that was the longest, biggest deal he's given to a pitcher. So we'll see how that shakes out. But you brought up something interesting during the point of that conversation, Marty, and that was uh, DeGrom potentially going to the Texas Rangers. And it reminds me that we haven't talked since Bruce Bochy came back to baseball and decided to go and manage the Texas Rangers under Chris Young, their president of baseball operations, a former pitcher in San Diego under Bochy. And uh, I wonder, did, did it surprise you at all that he chose Texas in coming back? I think so. Uh, but I know that he, look, in the, in the way baseball is today, you know, the Joe Madden book uh, explained how front offices get involved. Uh, and we've seen it here in San Francisco to some extent. So for Bochy, it had to be a good situation. And Chris Young is someone he knows and respects. And Chris Young gave him carte blanche uh, to run this thing the way he wants to run it, to pick his coaches. And it was not going to get in his way. Dayton Moore is there now. Mike Maddox is the pitching coach. Uh, Venable is his bench coach, which is nice. So um, they gave him a very good situation to get into, as opposed to other places that may have restricted him. So Mm -hmm. to know how much he wanted that independence and how much he really, really respects Chris Young, the big pitcher from Princeton, the Harvard of uh, the East, as you like to call (laughs) it. Um, You know, so he wanted to go to Texas. And was I surprised he came back? A little bit. I really was. But then after listening to him and seeing him, he got tired of doing nothing. As he said, uh, he was getting tired of watching t-ball games. I know. And he's still a young man, and he's still, look, he went out on top. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. So Earl Weaver did it. Uh, we've seen other managers come back. Uh, Jim Leland has done it. And there's that feeling, that fire that you still have until it's extinguished. And for Bruce Bochy, it's not extinguished yet. So I'm glad he's back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's a tough division there with the Mariners on the rise and the Astros and Dusty Baker. But how about the division? Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy right there in the American League West. That's pretty well, it cool. It tells you something about the, the pendulum swinging back a little bit Yeah, to more of the veteran managers. And look, Rob Thompson in Philadelphia, you know, nobody knows anything about him. I got to meet him uh, when the Phillies were down here in Arizona. Great guy. And he's been in baseball like 40 years. You know, he's, he's a lifer. You know, from Canada, and uh, he's worked his way up through all sorts of systems with the Yankees and George Steinbrenner and all that. He's been around forever, and he walked in and calmed down that whole clubhouse and and won a National League pennant. So we're seeing a little bit of that pendulum swinging back. But what about outfielders, Kerry? What about Mitch Hanniger? I I Uh, think Mitch Hanniger is an odds-on favorite to come to the Giants. Right, because he fits the bill uh, a couple years of being injured. He's from Mitty. Yeah. He's the perfect oh, okay. I didn't realize that. But, yeah. you know, 39 homers when he was healthy a couple of years ago. He seems like uh, he has Giants tattooed on his forehead. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just That's that's uh, where he's going to go. If Amazon's doing a delivery of Mitch Hanniger, it's going to be <laughs> delivered to 24 Willie Mays Plaza. So that's one I see. And then I was reading something else. Uh, A.J. Pollock. Mm-hmm is a right-handed hitter who has like a 950 OPS against left-handed pitching. The Giants are stuck with so many left-handed hitting outfielders. And let's we don't know what's going to happen with Judge, so that, that has a, a bearing. But you could bring A.J. Pollock in here 
and I don't know what they'll do with Slater, but they're desperate for some right-handed hitting, and he's a guy who could hit fifth in the lineup, and you could platoon him, which they love to do, and if, if that's, a, that's a name to remember, A.J. Pollock. Yeah, the, the two other guys on my radar, Kevin Kiermeyer, and I know that he doesn't bring much with the bat, and the Giants need so much with the bat in terms of the outfield, but their outfield defense in center field has lacked for years and years, and Kiermeyer plays an elite center field. I know that he's on the backside of his career, but it means he could probably get him for one or two years. The Tampa Bay Rays said they were done with him, and then Will Myers, in part because Will Myers, one of the only places he's ever hit consistently is Oracle Park. He plays every position on the diamond, and he does so at a, a kind of a subpar level, but you can run him out to center field if you need to, and Farhan loves that versatility. Well, uh, I'm not thrilled with either one of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen them. I wouldn't expect you to be, Marty. No, I've seen them. They're okay. They're okay. I wouldn't go crazy uh, for either one of them, to tell you the truth. Nimmo, and uh, look, the Mets want Nimmo back. That's the guy to put in center field. Mm-hmm. He's he's the right age. He can get on base. He's a good hitter. He can play great center field. That's the guy I would like, but I don't think they're going to be able to compete to get him here. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, going down a couple of levels here uh, to bring in players like that. So I, I think it, the Aaron Judge thing really holds the key to everything, and I hope he resolves it soon. Because mm-hmm. the sooner he resolves it, the more that obviously the Giants will know, the fan base will know, and boy, if he's here, the ticket sales will be wild. We'll have a wild off season. So I think he's the key to the whole deal right now. Absolutely. He's the first domino to fall across Major League Baseball. Well, Marty, be. one, yeah. la- one last one for you before I let you go here. How much pressure is on Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler next year? Is there a scenario where, you know, if they don't win, the Giants could be looking elsewhere? How do you see this in terms of uh, going from 107 to 81 and 81 and and what they need to do to to kind of regain fan interest and put butts in the seats in Oracle Park? Well, it depends what the season looks like. Yes, I, I you know, the way this usually works is the manager goes first. Mm-hmm. First, it's the coaches, and then they'd have to get a bus to get rid of all these coaches. They got so many of them, but usually the coaches go first. Then it's the manager, then the general manager. So I don't think we're near that level yet. Uh, there will be pressure, no doubt, to have a more productive season and get fans back involved. And I think Farhan understands that. Whether he whether the timing is right and these players want to come here is another story. But yeah, I agree. I think there is some pressure. And I think the pressure would start uh, with the manager coaches as opposed to Farhan. Yeah. I think he's he's got the ownership sort of in his corner. And they look, they're not writing big checks here. They may this winter, but they haven't so far. And he's made some money for them. Uh, so we'll see. I got a question for you. Yeah. The Hall of Fame ballots are out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, they're going to be before the Veterans Committee. Um, but what would you do with Carlos Beltran? Uh, now, he's oh. the first guy to – he's got Hall of Fame credentials. He really does. But he's got the g- garbage gate or whatever you want to yeah. call it, the garbage can stuff uh, in Houston. Now, it's not steroids, but it's he cheated with, you know, some economic way or – you know, some subterfuge to uh, to take his team that he was part of. So what do you do with Beltran? Does he fail in the uh, in the integrity clause 
or does he become a Hall of Famer? Because he's the only one on the ballot. I love Jeff Kent. I wish that Jeff Kent got more votes. This is last year on the ballot. I don't think it'll happen. But Beltran's got some action here. Yeah, it's an interesting case and one that I, I haven't considered as much just because I assume that no one's going to get in this year off of the, the regular ballot. But, you know, I, I'm someone who would vote for a Bonds. I'm someone who would vote for a Clemens if I was was voting for something like this. So I think that Beltron is that's that's a really tough call. and I don't know that I can give you an answer right away without studying it more. My inclination is to say probably yes. But I'd need to study it a little bit more to see how I differentiate between what he did in Houston as a coach and what players were doing during the steroid era when steroids mm-hmm. weren't necessarily outlawed in baseball. So I, yeah, I think good. that's a really tough call. Yeah, good debate. Good debate. Yeah, uh, Billy Wagner is there, you know, tremendous pitcher. Uh, you've got him in, on the uh, on the ballot again. Andrew Jones, they like. Uh, one of the great defensive center fielders. God, he played so shallow, and then he would go back. So it's an interesting ballot, but Beltron is the one that jumped out at me. So that that'll be the good that'll be the next debate that comes up. But that's this is why we love winter baseball, man. Yeah, this is the what yeah. the hot stove league is all about. This is what we do. Absolutely. So I, I look forward to continuing these conversations over the winter more, Marty. We're back in it. We're back and starting to think about baseball. And when Aaron Judge signs, wherever he signs. We'll be uh, we'll be calling each other and talking about what the Giants need to do next. So looking forward to that. And thank you so much for joining us here on Black Friday. No, I'm glad to do it. I told John Dugan out at Original Joe's, you know, your favorite. Oh, I said, the best. get Sergio the best in the world. Get, get Sergio to make him the chopped salad with crab. <laughs> and I'll guarantee you Aaron Judge will consider San Francisco. Okay. <laughs> Get him a butter cake at the end, too. You got All it. Right. Come on. He is Marty Lurie. <laughs> More coming up next on uh, KMBR Today. You're listening to KMBR 104.5 680, the sports leader.